0: what you're looking for may not be right in front of you. Like you might have to kind of open up your heart and your mind and, and see what else is
1: out there. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz waluka a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm so excited to have Mary Ellen Kelly today on the podcast. Mary Ellen is a veteran sports dietitian that will inspire you to be a go-getter and find your own path to becoming a sports RD. Mary Allen is the co-manager of CPSDA's Sports Nutrition Immersion Program and the owner of Fuel Forward, a nutrition consulting business. Under the umbrella of her business, she has been working with private clients, writing, speaking, and has consulted with universities on the creation and development of their sports nutrition services for student athletes. She is also adjunct faculty for Bloomsburg University and for Boston University. This role is extremely important to her as she completed her undergrad at Boston University, where she competed on the varsity women's track and field team, primarily as a triple jumper. She also serves on the U.S. Lacrosse Sports Science and Safety Committee. Mary Ellen was the Miami Dolphins full-time sports RD from November 2014 through March 2018. It was the head sports RD at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill from 2011 to 2014 in the staff sports RD in 2010. Prior to UNC, she served as a campus dietitian and sports nutritionist at St. John's University in Queens, New York. Mary Ellen began her career at James J. Peter VA Medical Center in the Bronx. She did her dietetic internship there in conjunction with her master's degree at New York University and then ran the VA's Outpatient Nutrition Clinic. While her passion has always been sports nutrition, she values her strong clinical foundation as a critical piece throughout her career. In her role as a mentor and teacher, Mary Ellen tells her students that her career has allowed her to blend the science of nutrition with her love for culinary arts, and she has gained a deep appreciation for the psychology behind each individual's relationship with food. She says, as a sports dietitian, I am a nutrition scientist, a translator of science into user-friendly terms, a listener, a critical thinker, a problem solver, a counselor, an educator, and of course, a foodie. The 2015 recipient of the CPSDA Trailblazer Award, she has been a longtime member of CPSDA, SCAN, and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. With five marathons under her belt, Mary Ellen continues to run in her free time. She and her husband, Peter, are enjoying the fall weather in Pennsylvania with their two little ones, Nicholas and Olivia. Let's jump in and let's meet Mary Ellen. <laughs>
2: I'm Mary Ellen welcome to the podcast. Hi Liz thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you so how's COVID quarantine life been treating you?
0: Good <laughs> you know we're just counting our blessings during this
2: interesting time. <laughs> I know it definitely has been interesting and as time has gone on it's tomorrow's we're recording at September 30th right now tomorrow's October I can't tell if it's like there's some routine happening where this is starting to feel a little normal like I think it's better than like things changing all the time but I don't know it's just it's like a wild ride but there seems to be some consistency. I know our lives are totally different. Are you feeling any of that or
0: Yeah, you know, as like the fall turned over, I think, you know, if we in our house settled into a good little routine, we put our um, toddler into preschool, and that helped with the routine quite a bit.
2: <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, so I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So I feel like, did I meet you at that SNP event? So basically SNP does like these events every year at the annual conference for like alumni or new SNPs, and I feel like I met you there. And I obviously knew you, but we've never met before because you were at UNC before I got there for SNP. So I feel like I met you there. Um, we obviously have the UNC connection and you're also from Boston. Yeah. I think that I'm only inviting people from New England on my podcast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Line them up. your cousins live in New Siebert or in Cape Cod or who's down there? Um, yeah, so I was gonna
0: say we have that connection too. So we've got the UNC connection, we've got the Boston, growing up, you know, in Boston connection and then um, Cape Cod connection too so um my in-laws have a house in Papanesset so yeah I know you're I know you're right down there
2: too super random too like my so my parents have a place in Papanesset as well so if anyone has not been to Cape Cod which I do think there's so many dietitians that haven't um you know two people now but um you have to to come visit and the funny piece is it's like not just like speaking of the entire cape it's like specifically Papanesset it's teeny it's really random. Oh um, yeah, Kate Cod is amazing. All right, so let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point, where you started and where you are today?
0: Sure. So, um, you know, I I guess I, I, when I tell my story, if I'm asked, I tell people, you know, so I grew up in an Italian house. My mom is 100% Italian and um, we grew up around amazing food. So for my mom and you know everybody on my mom's side my grandmother everybody was super into cooking and um we grew up around with a, with a deep appreciation for delicious food um and then the other kind of thing that I identify with quite a bit in my childhood is I grew up in a house full of brothers I have three I have three brothers and and then obviously um my dad so kind of a house full of men and me and my mom where sports was sort of our whole life like everything was sports and food um, I actually would go so far as to say like the love languages in my home are sport and food. <laughs> um, that's really our primary means of communication. So I think when I look back, it's not that surprising that I decided to be a sports dietitian because that's really kind of all of my fondest childhood memories are kind of circled around those two things. Um, and when I was in high school, I was a triple jumper. And I um, was getting recruited to triple jump in college. And I just knew that I wanted to study nutrition and I wanted to work with athletes. And so the funny thing is um, my dad, who's always been a huge supporter, was like sort of doing his own research on the side. And And I'll, I'll date myself here. This was like the late nineties. And he said, I hate to break it to you, but this really isn't a thing. Like sports nutrition, like dieticians work in hospitals. It's not really a thing. And and at the time um, my brother had been, he was playing baseball for Boston college. And so my dad just like talked to some people over there um, and said, do you guys have like a person that just works with the athletes on their nutrition? And they kind of laughed at him and they were like, no, that's like not a thing. And the funny thing is it's now 2020 and they just created that position there. (laughs) So in a strange way, my dad was right, right? Like if we really go back to the late nineties, if there were some folks doing it but it wasn't like a known and established profession. Um, So he kind of tried to talk me out of it and was like, I don't think you're going to want to do this. But luckily I was a teenager and didn't listen to my parents and said, I'm going to go to Boston University. Um, I was a triple jumper on the Boston University track team and I'm going to study nutrition and like, we'll just, you know, we'll just see how this goes. So I fell in love with it. You know, I had amazing faculty there and people that I'm still in touch with to this day. Um, My first and and lifelong mentor is Dr. Paula Quattromoni from Boston University and she was actually doing like a teeny bit of whatever she could. I mean she's a full you know academic professor so she was you know doing all the things in Sargent College, the part of B that I went to, but also in her own way like trying to help athletes in whatever way she could. So she was one of my early mentors um, and I'll never forget then, um, anybody who knows Joan Buckbinder, um, she's a Boston based dietitian who consulted with, with the Celtics and the Patriots she, and a lot of the Boston based schools, she came in and did a talk to all the female athletes at Boston university. And I went and met with her and as a follow-up, not for one-on-one nutrition for like career advice, you know, how did, how did you get here? How did you do this? And and she kind of gave me similar messaging that was going on at the time, like, there's not a lot of work in this space. Like it's just, you know, it's starting, but like there weren't a lot of people doing it. So I just sort of kept going. I'm like, well, she's doing it. Like there's gotta be a way to, to work with athletes. And so after graduating um, from Boston University, I moved to New York City, um, which I highly recommend if anybody's looking for their next step after college. I think everybody should live in New York for a little, little while. I moved to New York City for six years. So I pursued my dietetic internship and I did my um, master's at NYU Um, And then, you know, everybody has to remember like back then there wasn't SNP, there really weren't like even a lot of, you know, GA positions so like how to get your sports nutrition experience was was really challenging. Um, So I joined SCAN, CPSDA wasn't even a thing and you know I'm like just kind of just seeking opportunity in whatever way that I can. Um, so as I was working in my first job, which was outpatient nutrition um, at the Bronx VA Medical Center, that's where I trained. Um, I had amazing preceptors that I'm, you know, actually still friends with to this day. Um, and I was the outpatient dietitian there. But in New York, you you gotta have a little side hustle. So I just started trying to how could I make money as a dietitian and. Um, I was doing, doing private clients really young in my career. Looking back, I'm not really sure if I should not have been doing it that early on. But, um, I was doing it and I um, got taken in by a a, a virtual triathlete company that was doing coaching and nutrition coaching for triathletes all over the country, and there were some great dietitians doing endurance sport nutrition work for this company, so they took me on, they mentored me, they coached me up, they put me through so many practice clients, and I really learned endurance sport nutrition, and at the time... I had kind of crossed over from my triple jumping days to to marathoning. So um, I was into marathoning. I was kind of being trained up by endurance sport dietitians and really kind of cutting my teeth in that space. Um, and then I went to scan and um, just knew that like, okay, I, I really want to work in the college space. And so Saint John's University posted a position. And I would say now, if anybody saw that posting, they'd have a lot of questions. Like it was this campus health services and dining services and athletics job all in one, which we all know is really the jobs of multiple people. Um, It was housed in dining services. It was actually employed by Chartwells, but there to service the entire department. And I knew that like, you know, that's not the goal, but I was like, "This this is the way to go, I'm gonna do it. And looking back, um, it was amazing because I was got my I had my hands in everything. I was learning tons with eating disorders, tons with group education, you know, tons with dining services. It was actually when like the first time dining halls were actually being asked to, to even acknowledge what gluten free was. So it was a huge, huge learning phase of my career. And there was a part of me that wanted to stay there forever and like teach St. John that this was going to be you know full time athletics and like really evolve the position. But after two years, um, the University of North Carolina posted, and at the time, UNC was one of five schools that had more than one dietitian. They had, this, this is two positions. There were two dietitians at UNC, and I saw that as such a gem because, you know, where else could you be back then where you could learn from someone else and work with another dietitian? Everywhere else, you were on an island. So um, it was going to take something pretty special to take me out of the Northeast because anyone who knows me is like, you know, Boston and New York is kind of like my center. Um, And I said, this is the char Heels. Like, let me, let me just go check it out. Um, I went down there and did like a, a day and a half of interviewing with like, I always say with like half the town. I mean, everybody interviews you there. And I fell in love with it. And I, I just am so blessed that I was given the opportunity to go be a dietitian at the University of North Carolina. It is to me just like one of the most special places. Um, it's, you know, Chapel Hill is a slice of heaven. I know you know that. I know you've spent some time there. I wish we overlapped. Um, so, you know, in like the four and a half years that I was there, I just learned so much and grew so much. Um, I I feel like when you're at UNC, like you are working with some of the most amazing coaches to ever do their job. You're working with first-class sports medicine, you know, athletic trainers, team physicians, mental health counselors. You're working with um, an exercise science department that you know, is second to none. Like, I just felt like the sky was the limit there. The School of Public Health, everybody there was excelling And I I just, you know, Chapel Hill is just a really special place. So I was the dietitian there um, with just an amazing, you know, squad of people to work with and loved my athletes. I left there um, in the fall of 2014. I was, I was given this opportunity. I I was called and asked to interview um, with the Miami Dolphins. Um, There was a little part of me that thought it was a joke. I was like, who is this on the other side of the call? Um, But, but it was legit. So I went and interviewed, and I'll never forget, um, in early October of 2014, I actually was deciding between two job offers, the New York Knicks or the Miami Dolphins, and I was still debating um, staying at UNC, which is where where I loved, you know, so it was a really interesting um, time in my life, but I kind of just went for it. I said, you know, like, I'm I'm kind of up for the challenge and and ready. I felt really strong connections with the people I interviewed with at the Miami Dolphins and actually really supported by my Carolina family. Like people that I meant, like that mentored me were like, go, go, go do this. So I just kind of jumped in, you know, both hands, both feet. There were five games left in the 2014 season. So I feel like jumping into an NFL season with five games left is like jumping on a running treadmill (laughs) like a movie right um it was it was cool I sort of just observed the back end of the 2014 season and then had a lot of time to kind of jump in so worked you know the full 2015-16-17 season and then the last couple of years um I stepped away from the full-time grind and I always say I sort of um as my as I you know my life is changing, I now have two little kids. I've sort of embraced my own grind. I, um, I guess I'm not, I'm not tied to an NFL building anymore, but I love the hustle and I love staying busy. So I've just sort of created, I wear a ton of hats and I've kind of created my own hustle and my own grind. So right now I am um, co-managing the SNP program with Beth Graham, who I know you interviewed. Um, I'm co-managing the SNP program I have been teaching at the collegiate level actually for a while now. So I I used to teach virtually for Drexel University. Um, I've been teaching in person at Bloomsburg University for two years. And I just started teaching an online class for my alma mater, Boston University, which I'm loving. Um, And then in addition to the teaching and the SNP, I do some private clients. And then the last fun thing that I've taken on, which is really just kind of I don't even know where it came from. Um, is is I've been consulting with some universities that are either in transition or trying to figure out how to create the position. Um, and it's work that I never really saw myself doing, but I've I've really been enjoying doing that work and taking on those universities as clients.
2: So here we are. <laughs> wow! First, I couldn't stop smiling when you were talking about the Tar Heels. I mean it is such a special place and i know we weren't there together but i mean i was only there for eight months but it's just such a big part of like who i am and carolina blue um but i Uh love that you're like a veteran sports dietitian but i i don't know i think everyone just listening to this like you're such a go-getter and a lot of us are go-getters but just hearing like there weren't that many opportunities back then but you you found a way to find them and you you didn't make it seem as challenging because because of your like perseverance and that you were a go-getter. So I think that's just helpful for anyone listening to to seek out your opportunities. Like there's definitely so much more than there were. So just ask and be a go-getter and like be willing to do what you need to do to get to the next step. And also how like St. John's that you really loved it there and how much you learned from that position. And you never thought that would be somewhere where you would probably love all those things that you did so it's just a good lesson too that you just don't know sometimes and it could be the best thing that could ever happen to you even though it's not your ideal maybe job to begin with like it turned into your whole career path which is amazing
0: yeah I mean to kind of follow up on that I'll just say I think right now if anybody saw a sports nutrition job that was like um you're technically employed by food service I think that like a lot of people would kind of look at that like what um, but back then I just there weren't really a lot of opportunities and now that I look at it being on the food service side taught me so much and I brought that skills with me as I was now on the other side dealing with food service at UNC and you know then at the Miami Dolphins it's like I've I've been on their side of it. Like I know, you know, how they're trying to protect their bottom line. Like I I've been on that side. And um, and then also just being even in the campus health services side, you know, I just one of the best friends I made at UNC was the campus health, you know, dietitian, Tony, who I'm sure you know as well. You know, it's just you just grow when you're in a position that's that broad, I think you grow an appreciation for just all the moving parts and all the special people that that kind of make a university happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And also too, like the similarities between St. John's and UNC. And for me, there's so many things in common from UNC to UConn, like how the treatment team operates, how we use the EMR. And I know that's not as common in other schools. I don't really know how things actually work across the country, but those were two things that were important to me. And it made the transition easy because those were things that, you know, we talked about eating disorders and athletes and we had these systems set up. So um, it's cool how you can kind of see things translate when you go into your next role, for sure. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your experience as a campus sports RD at St. John's and and then the transition to UNC, anything that you learned about yourself during that time?
0: Sure. So um, we talked about this a little bit, you know, the, the position at St. John's was very broad. I was kind of wearing a ton of hats and trying to, trying to you know, service everybody and, and really the entire campus. And so the transition and the appeal of going to UNC was this was a position that was really focused on, you know, our, our 28 head coaches and the 700 plus athletes, student athletes underneath them. And so, that transition was exciting to me to just really start to focus my career on the student athlete. Um, I, I loved the mentorship that I, you know, I had mentorship at St. John's, um, uh, through, you know, the strength coaches and the athletic trainers and other people, but this, this nutrition mentorship that I was looking for, um, you know, moving to UNC and, and working with Jen Hederly and also the, um, just everybody there, everybody there was a mentor to me, you know, all of the athletic trainers, the team docs, um, the dietitians in the school of public health. It just was a step for me to really learn and grow. Um, So the transition, I think, let's see, like professionally, I just felt like I I had a growth mindset and I was jumping into a place where I really could grow Um, personally. So I was I don't know how old I was, but it was the first time I had to get a car. I had not actually had a car. I'll tell you, I was 28 years old when I got my first car.
2: So, because I was a city kid. I, know, I was going to say, you did say you lived in the city for six years. I was a city kid. I was, I'm the. I when you lived in Boston, in high school, you didn't have a car. Is that a thing?
0: No, I was the queen of public transportation in Boston and New York. So, oh. I remember, I'll never forget somebody asking me, like, how's the transition going? And I was like, so- <laughs> it's the driving that i'm having a little bit of a hard time with i'm 28 and i'm like i'm just just really behind me i had a license yeah i had a license um but wasn't using it to drive (laughs) until
2: i was about 28 and moving to chapel hill (laughs) i just picture you on your first day at you would see just like driving recklessly or something no, and,
0: and they knew when they were like, hey, if you're going to go work with softball or swimming or men's basketball, you got to get in your
2: car. And for I was let say men's basketball. You got to go down the street. I, I'd be like, no, I can, I can walk. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, you know, North Carolina in August and
0: you want to do that? No. Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right. During your time at UNC, what nutrition services did you implement or start there and that are still there today?
0: Well, I mean, they have such a thriving program there. Um, There was some amazing stuff in place before I got there. And I know Kelsey and Rachel are just continuing to grow it, which is awesome. Um, I think, let's see. So before deregulation, there really weren't like so many fueling stations. There were definitely some schools that had them, you know, I know, you know, Amy Friel had started uh, her nutrition oasis at uh, Virginia Tech. And like, there were definitely, you know, some folks that had some cool stuff, obviously, University of Florida always had some stuff. But there weren't a ton of fueling stations. And so um, we developed like a really, um, you know, we kind of stepped it up from like a cart to like a real fueling station for football um, at UNC. I will say what it looked like then, um, my, my whole design, you know, I worked with architects and I worked with electricians. I got to, I really got to kind of sink my teeth into really developing this Um, It did get like knocked down and made into something much more beautiful. Um, and it, it's unbelievable looking now. I've seen it um, in pictures and videos, but it's still in the same space. So I do feel like, you know, we started um, during our time there, uh, Coach Redora and I actually collaborated on this project quite a bit because he was really into it. We started like the football fueling station for the Tar Heels, and and now it's just gone on to be something even more amazing. But I, I like we're the ones that really kind of got those walls broken down and placed it where it is. Um, and then after deregulation, Olympic sport, sports got a brand new fueling station, and that was so fun. So Rachel, um, Rachel Manner, I would say Rachel Stratton, Rachel Manner, and I got to work together to really kind of create the Olympic sport fueling station. And I know they, she's just like taken it well above and beyond what it was when we started it. But I I got an opportunity to create two fueling stations. And then I'd say one other thing that I am so happy about that is still there is um, when the SNP program started, UNC was selected as one of the first places to host. And we got this SNP and SNP didn't really look like it looks now. It was like we had a four month SNP. And so if you're familiar with the program, you bring in this person for the first semester and then what? So I quickly wrote a proposal to the Rams Club, which is, you know, like our our donor group and said, if I'm going to get this person for the first semester, can you guys fund me for the second semester so that I can have some continuity for my teams? So it became known as the Rams Club intern. Um, And then the next year we were able to get the Rams Club intern again for the second semester to kind of complement when um, we actually let our SNP be a SNP for the fall and Rams Club for the spring. And since then, um, this Ramps Club internship has turned into a fellowship and it's, it's amazing. So Rachel and and Kelsey have really kind of grown it. Um, But, you know, that was kind of my, my idea to how do we continue to build our staff when we don't really have the budget in-house. So so
2: that's cool. That is amazing. And that one fellowship position, it makes such a difference. I mean, that's three teams that are now supported and once that person leaves to go on to their next role, like someone else has to fill it because those teams see how valuable, I mean, that's just the same way as a SNP program If that SNP is supposed to make such a big dent that they have to find someone to replace it. So that's pretty cool. Can you tell us about the transition from collegiate to professional sports, working with the Miami Dolphins? What are some rewards and challenges as a sports RD at the pro level?
0: Great question, too. Um, well, every everybody listening to this that is a college sports dietitian knows that, like, you're always kind of running around, right, with, like, a chicken with your head cut off. You've got a million things to do. You've got so many people to answer to. You're probably kind of always checking your phone because you're working with football, but volleyball might need something and gymnastics might need something. And, and you're trying to kind of serve as many, as many teams as possible. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in a performance team, or a, really a staff meeting at at the Miami Dolphins really early on and I didn't have my cell phone with me. It was down in my office and I'm in this meeting and I'm like, I don't have my phone. And all of a sudden it just hit me. I don't need my phone because anybody that could need me is right here in this meeting right now. And it was a really freeing feeling to be like, yeah, I'm just working one team, and I'm so focused. I'm just here as a part of the performance team with the head coach and the head athletic trainer and the head string coach, and like volleyball or gymnastics or field hockey. Like nobody's blowing up my phone. Like I'm just in it, and it was it was really. That a sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, everyone who's working with like twelve teams right now is like, oh, but you know, I mean, of course, I missed all my teams. I still am in touch with so many of my athletes. Like, I I mean, I like, I love UNC, and so it wasn't that it was a better feeling; it was just a different feeling of wow. Like, we are just all in, and and it was it was cool to just get to buckle down and focus. Um, so going from, you know, trying to support so many athletes at college and just really focusing on. When you go from college to the NFL, everybody that's working in the NFL that hasn't worked college, when you're at full capacity in the offseason and they have, you have 90 guys in-house, they feel like that's huge. And you're still like, oh, max roster of 90 doesn't feel that bad when you compare it to all you had in college. So it's nice to just really kind of focus on one team and, and have your 90 guys in the offseason. And then, you know, it obviously shrinks down in season to, to the active roster and the practice squad. But Um, I think just that transition of like really just focusing your energy on your one team. There's something, there's something fun about it. Um, but, but I wouldn't trade for the world, the broad experiences that set me up to come to that place in my career.
2: That's awesome. As a SNP manager, can you tell us about your role within the program?
0: Absolutely. So, um, you know, this because you interviewed Beth, um, we are the co-managers and, um, we do have a committee that we work with as we do you know selections each year for the host sites and as we go through the applicants for the fellows um, it is a committee-run program and so we just collaborate to keep it going so from the application process for um, hosts to to become you know the following year's hosts and then for applicants to become fellows for the following year you know we run that entire process and then um, we have really expanded the role of the SNP manager with the current class. So what we've added to the program, um, our current mentors write up an entire comprehensive list of competencies that they submit to us, and that's really to safeguard that um, this is a true immersion and a true high level of experience. So our fellows are coming out very well prepared and very well trained, and and we're sort of, you know, making sure that that's happening with the competencies and our consistent follow-up with our mentors. And then on the fellowship side, we added in, um, I guess it was like we are in our second year of this, we added in some Um, lectures that are uh, really designed for the SNP fellows, so we bring in um, veteran dietitians in the profession to do monthly lectures for the fellows just to kind of give them exposure to other material and other people beyond their mentors and for all of us to sort of get together as a mentor, mentorship class every um, month. So we really just sort of added these things in to kind of bulk up the experience. And the feedback has been amazing. Our fellows seem to really enjoy the lectures. And I, and I enjoy the lectures. Oh,
2: I the lectures. I missed that uh,
0: part. <laughs> guess who our lecturer was last month? Rob Skinner, there's your shout out.
2: Yes. Rob Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is the best piece of advice you have received in your career up until this point? So Speaking of Rob Skinner,
0: um, Okay. So, you know, I, I alluded to it a little earlier. I, I've always, I've, I felt like Boston and New York, like the Northeast was kind of the center of the universe for me. Um, and I know I'm not alone. There's a lot of Bostonians, but Boston is the center of the universe. Um, I see your head nod. Um, so when I met Rob um, at SCAN in 2005, so going back to like, there wasn't a lot going on. He was one of the few full timers at the time. I met him at SCAN. And I kind of went up to him after he presented. And I said, you know, I I just want to do what you do. Like, I know there's not a lot lot of opportunity, but I want, I want to do this. And I was living in New York City. And he said, you know, I hate to break it to you, but there's a good chance you're going to have to move. And, and I looked at him like he didn't know anything. I was like, this guy does not get it. (laughs) And he and I joke about it now. He was right. And and I'm not saying everybody needs to move a million times in sports nutrition. I don't believe that. And I think more and more, you might not have to because the profession is growing in such, such an amazing way. But back then, he was right. I mean, for what I was looking to do, that just didn't exist in the Northeast. That just wasn't happening back then in college and sports and in Boston and New York. So um, as much as when he first gave me that advice, I kind of thought he was nuts. In hindsight, I've told the story a million times, and I've thanked Rob a million times. Like, he gave me the best advice. He said, you know, you got to break out of your comfort zone and, and be willing to kind of move. And lucky for me, that next move was North Carolina. And it's funny, like, I never I never thought I was going to leave home. And I actually just, like, kept moving further and further away. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, just, um, just same time zone, but just by another way, so it's, um that was the best advice, like, you know, like, what you're looking for may not be right in front of you, like, you might have to kind of open up your heart, and your mind, and and see what else is out there, so Rob, you know this, but if you're listening, thank you for the millionth time, because yeah. that was amazing.
2: I love that, that is a great segue into our next segment, which is new, the Q&A portion, which this whole thing is a QA. and a but basically, Instagram account, sports already snippets, I basically put up like a question where people can ask anything. And someone asked, What are the pros and cons of moving to different states and not knowing people? This was in regards to like a fellowship or any sports nutrition opportunity. So I thought this would be great, Mary Ellen. Do you want to go first and kind of share? I know you just shared that portion, but any pros or cons to those experiences and Reflecting. Goodness, I think, you know, sure, there are some cons,
0: there are challenges anytime we moving, moving is hard. Um, But the pros are that, you know, it's all just part of your journey. So if you embrace it as a new experience and new people to meet and learn from, and it's just another It's another chapter. It's another part of your journey. I think um, it's about your mindset. It's about how you kind of prepare yourself and and mentally prepare for this major change if you are going to move and and take on a new job. Um, And then I think it's if you're true to yourself and you sort of identify like what are the things that make you happy wherever you are. So I I am a huge foodie. Um, You know, I'm a big runner. I love yoga. I love to exercise. I love to be outside. So Anywhere I've moved, I guess I've moved five times, I find the things that keep me centered and keep me grounded. And I know that I need those things wherever I live. So I think that really helps.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I would say like the cons to moving. I mean, obviously, moving somewhere new for the first time, it's scary, right? Like it's the unknown of experience. You're not sure what's going to happen. But Um, maybe you're also moving away from your family. So maybe like holidays and being a sports dietitian, you might have to work on Thanksgiving. And like I've done it before and I didn't really like it. And you know, it's okay though, because that for me, I found out that it's important for me to be with my family on Thanksgiving and I am with my family on Thanksgiving now. So I think it's hard, but I think also knowing that it's temporary. So if you're going for like a fellowship position or SNP, I think sometimes when you're in the position you're like oh my god this feels like forever or it just might feel like this long time but it's really just like a snippet of your life and so kind of going into it more like how can i get the most out of this experience first like feeling like it's such a burden if you're missing your family or you had to move and i think sometimes students will kind of call me and feel like you know i really want to move but i don't want to make this i have to make a sacrifice and maybe like you were saying like it's more of an opportunity Um, And then the positive things are, I feel like for myself moving to California for my dietetic internship and then North Carolina, I've got to see so many different places and explore. And I mean, it's hard. You move somewhere for eight months, you finally build relationships and you have to pick up and move again. And I knew when I was looking for my first full-time job, I didn't want to be somewhere for another year and pick up and leave again. And that's probably why the job search was so hard because I did want to kind of stay close to home but it's really hard to do that so i think just keeping an open mind and figuring out what's important to you um you're gonna have the best experience wherever you go in sports nutrition every experience is different um but you have to try to know if it's for you and if it's not for you like that's okay i think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to feel like this has to be like the best experience or everything needs to be a certain way, but the ups and the downs, the downs actually help you know what you want, which is such a weird, weird thing, but I think downs have taught me more than ups.
0: (laughs) I I would 100% agree,
2: 100%. (laughs) So I hope that answered your question, um, who asked that on the page. All right, are you ready for the rapid fire round? I'm ready. Okay. Hot or cold lobster roll. I did not say you don't eat lobster rolls. No, I have a shellfish allergy. <laughs> don't use that question. I'm oh, that's funny. Anyone was wondering, I like mine cold. Oh okay. good. Okay, New England Patriots or Miami Dolphins? Oh we can't even go there. Dolphins are not good. Come on. Uh, this is you left they're not good because you left the position (laughs) so the um i actually just got
0: this question in a workshop that i gave last night um I, i don't have an nfl team i you know the nfl is so small that everybody kind of got broken up when i was at miami and moved all around and so when i watch football on sundays i i support my friends i support my colleagues i support my former players so on any given day like
2: I'm just kind of rooting for all my people. You know, I don't, I don't have a team. They're not giving the people what they want. I, I have my people.
0: I mean, look, I worked in the same division as Patriots. Like I can't root for them.
2: Like I work against them. <laughs> um, favorite TV channel? Netflix. Okay. Skydive mm-hmm. or bungee jump? Lizzie, you're making- the Last one, it's the last one. Okay, bungee jump. Okay. I think, I think. I just, I don't, I shouldn't really comment off these, but I just think, I was thinking, if I had a jump, wouldn't you just rather jump from a plane? Because you're going to have to jump, you might as well do, I feel like jumping from a plane is cooler, no? You could take my turn at both of those. (laughs) All right, last question, are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. If you could tell your younger already self one thing, what would you say?
0: Um, I think you actually kind of said it as we were talking earlier in the interview is that um, I always say, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I was very driven and focused young in my career and really thought I knew. I knew my path. I knew what I was going to do. I just kind of had it all figured out. And I was so wrong. Like it, it went all different ways than I had ever thought. Um, so I really tried to help young dietitians see that, like, from a career growth perspective, like we don't even actually know all of the opportunities that are coming our way because CBSDA has done such amazing work and we don't even know what else is out there. So you don't know what you don't know from a professional opportunity standpoint. And then I would say, even within the profession, it's it's a never stop learning profession. Like as much as we try to master the material, um, always dive into the research and stay current because there's just, there's always more to
2: know. (laughs) yeah I love that yeah I think sometimes we have a map or an idea of what we want which isn't a bad thing right it's like oh this person did this and like that's kind of how you get to the next step and I think that's helpful but don't put all your like eggs in the basket like you really forge your own path and you it's so cool to see what you create along the way because you might have the vision for it but it, it kind of comes out differently than you ever could imagine but it might be better than your original plan. Love how you just said that. Yes, totally. That. Well, Mary Ellen, thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun, Liz. Yes, go Tar Heels. Yeah, and we can say go Red Sox. We can say that. Go Red Sox. Go Patriots. Yes. Go Red Sox. Go Red Sox.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode on Sports RD Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another Sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so please stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.